So, do you want a free koozie? I mean, who doesn't? And all you got to do for me to send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie is rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. That's all you got to do. Send me a screenshot of the review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I will get the koozie in the mail for you. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. We'll talk to you soon. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. I can feel it coming on now as the music plays. Taking shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53-yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody and the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards from McCluskey on the grab. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone, it's a touchdown! Oh, mother! What's happening, guys? It's Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com, and of course, the show, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us and being a part of it. Well, so much to get to uh, this week, and you know what? When I think about the Big 12 SEC Challenge, It's great. I like it. I wish they could do it in non-conference play, but I was thinking more about it over the past couple of days. And I know a lot of you watched it over the weekend. We had, uh, you know, all 10 teams playing somebody from the SEC. It was a lot of fun. But then I thought, you know, this is actually in a weird way, probably good preparation for the NCAA tournament, because in a weird way, you think about college basketball, right? And January, February, first week of March, you get in a lull where you're playing the same couple of teams week after week, more so in the Big 12 than any other conference, if you think about it. You know, I mean, the Big 12, because it is a true round robin, you're playing nine other teams twice on rotation. We know how it works. At least in some of the other conferences, the SEC, the ACC, where you have 14 teams, you don't play a true round robin. That keeps it a little more, uh, mixes it up a little bit, right? You don't have that in the Big 12. So, while I was watching all these games over the weekend and I was like, you know, this is great. It's fun. Uh, I wish it was in November, December. I realized that's a lot harder to do because you got all those tournaments over Thanksgiving. You got the holiday tournaments, you have finals week, and then you're getting ready for conference play. So there's really not an obvious time to do it. But then I thought, all right, where's the benefit here? What is the advantage of having this big 12 SEC tournament or challenge? And the answer is that. It's just mixing it up a little bit. It's getting out of your groove. It's getting out of the rotation of playing the same teams week after week. So let's just touch a little bit here on what happened um, over the weekend. The team that impressed me the most was Baylor. Matthew Postens, our own Matthew Postens, was down there. He's going to join us later in the show. He was in Waco to watch this game. But Baylor to get a solid home win over a pretty good Alabama team hang on late, tells me that this Baylor team's coming on strong. I'm curious to see uh, what ends up happening with them the rest of the way because you think about them too, 
and they're right in the thick of the standings in the Big 12. I know we talk about the Kansas schools and Texas Tech and Iowa State, but we're all overlooking Baylor, it feels like, a little bit. Um, and then I also look to the most disappointing team over the weekend, and that was Kansas State. You know, just something about that game, the way it was flowing early on against Texas A&M, uh, it was like Kansas State was out of sorts. They didn't want to be in College Station, which I don't blame them. Who the hell wants to be in College Station, that piece of crap town with those damn Aggies? I'm smiling, kind of. It's a fake smile. No, it's a real smile. I don't know, whatever. Take it for what you want. But, no, I, I totally get it. Uh, but it was a bad loss. You know, Kansas State's a team that could win the Big 12 Conference. And to go lose to A&M, I know it's on the road, but that one stung a little bit. And it just felt to me like Kansas State was out of sorts all afternoon. So a good Big 12 SEC challenge. We'll dive into this more with Matthew Postens coming up as the show progresses. Um, on the football side of things, it is quiet, right? We have the uh, – we got signing day next week, kind of the second signing day. And I was thinking about this how we always want what we don't have, right? We always do. I kind of miss the old signing day. I hate to say it. It pains me to say it, but I kind of do. I kind of do. You know, I, I miss the day of everybody coming together for that one day, must have, must follow moment, throwing on ESPNU, even though I can't stand ESPN and just saying, who's going to do what today? Where are the five stars going? Who's going to land a couple of four stars that we don't expect? It just, it feels like blah right now. It's weird, but it does. And having this in December, listen, I, it, it's best for the kids. It's best for the student athletes. I'm not going to say, you know, we need to change it back. Let them have their decision made before Christmas. Let them go into their spring semester uh, content, ready to roll, ready to move on. It is okay. I understand it. I'm just being a selfish fan here where I kind of do miss the old signing day. I never thought I would, but I do. And also the December signing day, you know, it's, it's right after the season ends. It's before Christmas and bowl season, the holidays. There's so much going on. It kind of gets lost in everything. But on a random Wednesday in early February, when we're kind of at that point where we're clamoring for football, we're dying for something to latch on to. Spring camp still feels like it's a mile away. Uh, it's like, give me something, please. And signing day does that. And next week, because of the new signing uh, rules process, it's just like, ho-hum. You know, you hope the bottom team for the Big 12 can land a couple of extra guys. They got to boost their classes. But OU and Texas and the Blue Bloods are all set. And now it's kind of just filling out the classes here and there. So. I don't want to be selfish about it, but I had to get that off my chest. Maybe you feel the same way. Uh, find me on Twitter at Pete Mundo. Find us on Twitter at Heartland underscore CS. But I, I don't mean to feel like the uh, curmudgeon old man, but I do just, just a little bit. So now we talk about the offseason, right? Big 12's got massive turnover when it comes to the head coaches. You think about Texas Tech. You think about uh, – uh, why am I blanking on Kansas State? You think about Kansas. You think about West Virginia, right? You think about all these teams and what they have coming up here over the next bunch of months with new head coaches, new systems, everything else. Well, think about this. Which head coach – I was doing just some thinking the other day, and I said, which head coach is most likely to be gone? Like, who's the next Big 12 coach that won't be here? 
who's the next guy to leave, whether it's fired or leave. And I was going down the list. I was like, I don't think it's Matt Campbell. A year ago, I might have said Matt Campbell. I don't think it's Lincoln Riley. I just think he's, he's staying in Norman for 10 years. I believe that. Not Gary Patterson. It's not Tom Herman. You know, Tom Herman, I don't believe, is an NFL guy. I don't think NFL teams are going to be attracted to him. You know, and, and the new guys, Matt Wells, Neil Brown, Les Miles, Chris Kleiman, I think they all get at least three years. So I'm thinking, all right, who's a guy that could be gone within three years in the Big 12? And I came to the conclusion, two guys come to mind. One is Matt Rule at Baylor. The other guy is Mike Gundy. Those are the two guys that I think are most likely to be the next Big 12 coach to be gone from the conference. Uh, Matt Rule, there was a good piece written by Dennis Dodd where the headline was Baylor coach Matt Rule is turning around the program, but will he stay to finish the job or leave for the NFL one day? And it talked about, you know, his flirtation here with the New York Jets this offseason. And one thing I respect about Rule throughout this process is that he has simply laid it all out there. He has not shied away from it. He has not pretended like it didn't exist or like it didn't happen. He went all in and said, yes, I was interested in the Jets. He said in this article, the players were great about it. They were like, coach, whatever you want to do, we support 100%. We all want to get to the next level. So it's really cool that, that he's open about it. It's really cool that the players were apparently cool with him about it. And there was an interesting part of this article where um, – CBS shared a handwritten note where they talk about uh, the difference between Matt Rule and what was going on under Jim Grobe and Art Browse before that. It came from a player who had recently departed the program. And the player states that before Rule was hired in December of 2016, the locker room was completely segregated both racially and in regards to talent. The player went on to write, now we have a locker room where a black superstar senior bound for the NFL can put his arm around a white freshman walk-on and call him his brother. You've taken a program full of boys and demanded that we come men, become men. This is in a letter from Matt Rule, or excuse me, from a player, unnamed player, to Matt Rule. That's incredible. That's the kind of stuff that Matt Rule does for a program that, you know, doesn't show up in the win and loss column, but is just as valuable as that. I know we don't think of it as being that valuable, but it is, and it should be as valuable. I'll add this to the conversation as well as part of, you know, Matt Rule. I think he likes Waco. I believe he enjoys the job and he loves the job. But at some point, this guy's going to be at the next level. NFL turns over, what, seven, eight, nine coaches a year? He's been rumored to have an NFL job in each of the past two seasons after going 1-11 and 11 and after going 7-6 and six this year. And apparently, he had other offers as well that he didn't entertain, but he had other teams wanting to talk to him. And here's a guy with 46 freshmen or redshirt freshmen that have played the past two seasons. He's got his stud quarterback in Charlie Brewer. This program for the Bears, he has turned it around rapidly. And he's not getting enough credit for it. Now, why do I say Mike Gundy in this conversation? Part of why I say Mike Gundy is because he's such a wild card. You know, I could see Mike Gundy just retiring in a couple of years. That might sound crazy to you. 
But I, I don't know. Mike Gundy is such a strange guy, and I say that, um, you know, in, in a in not meant to be an insult. He's just a strange guy, right? Would it shock you if in a couple of years Mike Gundy is like, ah, I'm I'm done. I'm gonna hang out on my uh, estate, on my ranch, whatever. Watch the grass grow. You know, maybe I'll do some TV for ESPN, but I'm done. Maybe I'll come back in a couple of years. I could see him doing it. Or he'll take some weird job because he gets into a pissing match with T-Boom Pickens. I don't know. But if you're saying to me, who is the next head coach, the next Big 12 coach to leave the conference, either by choice or by getting let go, I'd put Matt Rule and Mike Gundy at the top of that list. But I could also see all 10 of these guys being here for the next five years, and that would be great. I mean, that's my preference. Stability for the conference, I would rather see that. It's better for the conference when everybody's there. But we know uh, in the coaching world, it doesn't usually happen. As somebody that works in radio, we always say, the only guys that turn over more than radio hosts are coaches, whether it's high school, college, pro, it doesn't matter. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. One of the biggest storylines this entire offseason in college football has been about what? Think about it. Transferring quarterbacks. And it remains the case, and I'm starting to get a little – the whole thing is starting to feel fishy to me. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks, as always, for uh, being a part of the show. We're your Big 12 independent digital media outlet. So you got a lot of big names transferring, right? You got Tate Martell going to Miami, the Ohio State kid. Here in the Big 12, Austin Kendall, after a little bit of a hoopla, goes from Oklahoma to West Virginia. Um, Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. That's what might have caused Martell to leave Ohio State and go to Miami, right? So now the big thing is, can these guys play right away? You know, you have this transfer portal. You have guys like Shea Patterson going from uh, Ole Miss to Michigan. He hires a lawyer. He gets to play right away. How is this going to work? Well, there was one thing that happened here, and I'm going to read you the, uh, the statute that came through last April. The Division I Council quietly issued a semi-related modification under which transfers can receive legislative relief from having to sit out a year. The key line here, per Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, is if the transfer is due to documented mitigating circumstances that are outside the student-athlete's control and directly impact the health, safety, and well-being of the student-athlete, then they can play right away. That is something that was passed this past April and is something that a guy like Tate Martell is apparently trying to use right away. And what he is saying is that, well, Urban Meyer retired, so that's why I'm leaving, and that's why I should be able to play right away. You know, does that pass the smell test? If every time a coach retires or leaves, you could have a free-for-all of transfers, you know, that's – I want the student-athlete to be empowered. I want the student-athlete to be emboldened. I want him to feel like, you know what, ultimately this is my future. If I want to go, I should be able to go. I'm all for that. But then it also crosses a line of, okay, are you going to have basically chaos every time a coach leaves a program where the entire program could be upended? 
Uh, Shea Patterson's attorney was a guy named Thomas Mars. That's the same attorney that Justin Fields is using. Now, what Justin Fields is saying as he goes from Georgia to Ohio State, he's using the story from last September in which a member of the Georgia baseball team loudly referred to Fields by a racist slur. And don't get me wrong, that is disgusting, disgraceful, despicable. Nobody should have to deal with that at any point in time. I'm not defending that at all. And I hope I make that very clear. But let me add to this to the conversation as well. His sister enrolled at Georgia to play softball. If you're going to tell me that this is a mitigating circumstance outside the student-athlete's control and impacting the health and safety and well-being, uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm just – I'm not buying it. And I'm not buying it to be, a, you know, a jerk or anything like that or a douche or anything. I'm not trying to stop Justin Fields. You know, if he wants to transfer, more power to him. But to say you should play right away and use that as your circumstance – uh, it just it just feels uh, feels fishy to me. And Thomas Mars, his uh, his attorney. By the way, who's paying for all these attorneys? <laughs> all right. I mean, we got a booster at Ohio State footing the bill here for this. I I don't know. This this is starting to get a little shaky to me. A little snaky as well. Shaky and snaky for that matter. You know, Austin Kendall going to West Virginia. Uh, he graduated, so that's a totally different animal, totally different beast. But I'm telling you, every year you're going to have this happening. And it's become to the point where, you know, the Big 12, and frankly, any school for that matter, any program, you don't have to hit on the high school quarterback. It's weird to say, but with the way that these four- and five-star guys are transferring just on a whim, it's like, all right, so OU gets Spencer Rattler, five-star guy, top quarterback in the country, commits to OU in the class of 2019. That's awesome. But if you're an OU fan, are you really concerned that if Rattler doesn't work out, you know, you're going to have a tough time finding a quarterback. You shouldn't worry about it. Lincoln Riley's gotten three transfers in a row. He's won two Heismans uh, the past couple of years with Mayfield. And, of course, this past year with Murray, he might do it again with Jalen Hurts. I mean, who the heck knows? It's crazy when you think about it. So I'm not overly concerned about that. And you think about Texas. I mean, Texas stunk for a decade, at least by Texas standards. And they stunk for a decade because they couldn't find a darn quarterback. God bless David Ash. But when that guy was the best quarterback you had for nearly a 10-year window and you're Texas, that's a problem. But with this new transfer portal and you know quarterbacks turning over, I think I saw like 50% of four- and five-star quarterbacks are essentially um, deciding to transfer. And that's a massive number when you put it into perspective. If that is, is accurate, then, you know, if you're Texas, you're Oklahoma. But more importantly, if you're not a blue blood, if you're West Virginia, if you're Baylor, and I know Baylor has a couple of really good quarterbacks in Brewer and, and Bohannon, but I'm just throwing it out there. You know, if you're Kansas State, you should be looking in this transfer portal you should be trying to bang down the door of any of these guys, four or five-star guys that aren't happy in their current situations that just want to play. And you say, listen, I don't think you promise anybody a job. I think that's silly in college sports to do that. But I think you can say, hey, you come here, you got a really good shot of being the starting quarterback. You can be the man here. And it's a way, you know, because a lot of these schools like Kansas, K-State, whatever, they can't compete 
with the four and five star guys of the high school, you know, they all think they're going to be the next national championship winning quarterback at Ohio State or Alabama or Oklahoma. They all think that. And it rarely, if ever, works out that way because guess what? There's only one starting quarterback job to have, there's only one guy who can have it. Jalen Hurts might have it for a hot minute, then Tua Tungavailoa gets it at Clemson. Kelly Bryant might have it for a hot minute, then Trevor Lawrence takes it, and around and around we go. You know, Jake Fromm hasn't given it up, but he kind of took it away from Jacob Eason. So this conversation is ongoing for all of these guys, all these top high school quarterbacks, and I get it. Coming out of high school, you got the dream. You want to go to the blue blood. You think that you can upend and take the job from somebody. You all think you can basically Trevor Lawrence or, or Jake Fromm, uh, the starter, or Tua Tungavailoa, the starter. But a lot of these guys can't. It's a numbers game. Most of them won't. Most of them want to play. And guess what? You can be on TV every Saturday playing at K-State. You know, this isn't 1952 when you got to go to Notre Dame. You don't have to do it. And it's a, it's a great thing for college football. And a great thing if you're a fan of a non-blue blood, it's a great thing for you as well. So don't forget it. Don't overlook it and appreciate it, and try to make sure your head coach is getting in that transfer portal. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, coming up, what is the biggest game for each Big 12 team next year? I know it's eight months away, but I'm just I'm dying for football. So we'll talk about that next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So I get it. It's late January. It's cold. You're sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, when's this going to break? If you're here in the Midwest with me, I'm in Kansas City, in case you didn't know it. That's where I'm based out of now, doing a morning show. Uh, you're like, geez, we, this week it, it reached minus two. So I just had to write something on football on the website, and I want to share it with you. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I put together the uh, most anticipated matchup and game for each Big 12 football team in 2019. And I know you're thinking, oh, Pete, it's, you know, it's eight months away, man. Take it easy. I don't care. I don't care. You know, I got a Big 12 football addiction. What do you want me to tell you? I, I like the basketball. You know, I'm not as into it as our guy Matthew Postens. I mean, he is uh, the Big 12 basketball savant. He is just killing it on our website with the Big 12 hoops. But I'll say this. Uh, I like it. You know, Cam Brock, who's going to be ramping up the baseball stuff, he's good on that front. I am just addicted to the football side of it. I cannot help myself. All right? I can't. I, I cannot do it. Um, so let's talk about this, this stuff here, and let's talk about the uh, biggest game in the conference for each of these teams heading into 2019. And this might change by the time we get to August, but as of right now, here's how I see it. Baylor Bears, biggest game on the schedule is going to be September 28th against Iowa State. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First off, Baylor's non-conference looks like it did for most of the Art Bryles tenure. Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice. They should be 3-0. and but if Baylor wants to put itself into the top half, if not top half, top tier discussion in the Big 12 Conference, we're going to find out in late September against Iowa State, another team trying to put itself into the top tier of the Big 12 Conference, which one of these teams is more likely to do it. It's going to be a very telling game pretty early in the season for both Baylor and Iowa State. But for Baylor, that's their biggest game of the year. Can they make that leap from middle of the pack to, you know, Top, at least top half. 
for Iowa State, it's a different game. September 14th against the Hawkeyes. I get it. It's a non-conference game. But Iowa State has yet to beat Iowa under Matt Campbell. They haven't won the game since 2014. Um, they've won it once in the past six years. If Matt Campbell um, is truly going to take this thing to the top, and start competing for Big 12 championships. And, I mean, I love what Matt Campbell has done. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, just emotionally, you want to start beating your rival, right? I mean, before you become the, the best or one of the best teams in your conference, you want to be the best team in your own state. And Iowa is such a stale program. I'm sorry. It's stale. It's Iowa State's time. It's Matt Campbell's time. It's Brock Purdy's time. It's the Cyclones' time, baby. Win this game. Get this win. You know, last year was weird because the opener was canceled. They kind of used that Iowa game as a chance to, you know, work out the kinks. It's not ideal. But now it's like, get the win, baby. Get it done. Um, Kansas, August 31st against Indiana State. Why is that the most important game? Well, because it's their first game. Sorry. Uh, you know, Les Miles, I don't know what the hell you're going to do. I have no idea. But if you want to get things off on the right foot, beat Indiana State at home. One win, one game. Go on, build off it, move on, and that's kind of it for now. For Kansas State, I'm going to say October 5th against Baylor. Now, it might not seem all that meaningful at first glance, but it is the Big 12 home opener for new head coach Chris Kleiman. He's going to be in the shadows of Bill Snyder for at least this year. He could be in the shadows of Bill Snyder for a couple of years, you know. I mean, who the heck knows? It kind of depends how it plays out. If he can get the home crowd on his side, pick up a Big 12 win early, get the monkey off his back, he's got a tough two-game stretch before that on the road against Mississippi State and Oklahoma State, he'll be in good shape. No one's expecting Big 12 titles right now from Chris Kleiman. The last couple of recruiting classes were junk for Bill Snyder, um, even by Bill Snyder standards. Guys have fled and left the program left and right. I don't want to say it's a full rebuild, but he's not walking into a very healthy program. All right, so if you can get a win against Baylor early October, you'll get a little uh, a little space from the fan base, which you should anyway, but you know how fans are. I mean, <laughs> fans are fans, right? Oklahoma, October 12th against Texas. Might seem obvious, but OU looking for revenge. Uh, this game next year is likely going to decide which one of these two teams is the front runner at this point to win the Big 12. Um, and you look at OU's schedule up to that point, it's, it's pretty soft. You have the fighting Dana Holgersons in week one, the Houston Cougars. You got South Dakota, UCLA, Texas Tech, and KU. Uh, OU should be 5-0. and We'll find out what OU is. Are they a national title contender again or not in this Texas game? So that's why it might seem obvious, but there's many reasons for why I picked that game for the Longhorns as their most important game in the Big 12, and that's what we're going through here. The most important game as of right now, I know it's late January, most intriguing game in the Big 12 in 2019 for each team. For Oklahoma State, September 28th against Kansas State. Now, my thinking goes as follows. Oklahoma State plays Oregon State, Tulsa, McNeese State. Then they open up Big 12 play at Texas. Should be 3-0 before the Texas game. And while they beat Texas last year, let's be honest, UT is probably going to be a heavy favorite in this game at home. If Oklahoma State wants to have a bounce-back season, which let's remember, um, this Oklahoma State program won 10 games each of the past three years before this last season in 2018. 
I don't know if Mike Gundy has the team to get back to that 10-win level. But he doesn't want to have two straight mediocre years in a row, right? You don't want to suddenly go to being a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12. From competing for Big 12 titles to regressing. Mike Gundy doesn't want that. And the game against Kansas State in late September should, you know, you got to win the game, especially after their disastrous performance against K-State in Manhattan last season. For TCU, October 5th at Iowa State. Gary Patterson, similar position to Mike Gundy, trying to bounce back from a mediocre season. If you want to get back to that upper echelon in the Big 12, which looks like it's now going to be OU Texas like it was a decade ago, but if you want to get to that level, this game is in Ames, final game before the bye week for Gary Patterson. It will let us know if TCU is going to be a contender in the back half of the season or not. Texas, September 7th against LSU. How do you not use this game? Uh, I get it's a non-conference, but massive ramifications for Texas. If this is the year Texas thinks it should get over the hump and not just win the Big 12, but reach a college football playoff, beating LSU is huge for the resume. It gives them a little bit of wiggle room to drop a game in the regular season at some point and still make the playoff. If they lose this game, Texas basically has to run the table, no doubt about it, to reach the playoff at least, not win the Big 12, of course. Texas Tech, September 28th at Oklahoma. Matt Wells, welcome to the Big 12, baby. To start your career, you get to play OU in Norman. Hey, don't forget, Cliff Kingsbury almost knocked off the Sooners at home last year. Now, if Matt Wells does that on the road in September, people are going to be saying, Cliff who? But if he gets blown out while Cliff Kingsbury's coaching on Sundays, you might get some grumbling, all right? I'm just putting it out there. West Virginia, September 7th against Missouri. New head coach, new quarterback, What's he got? Early season SEC matchup on the road. I want to see what this team can do. Missouri's also losing Drew Locke, so there's a lot of turnover there. But it's going to be a very intriguing game for many reasons. It's going to be telling for what next year is going to be for Neil Brown. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys, for joining us, being a part of the show. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations Yeah, we're one big country nation That's right Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. Please do rate, review, subscribe. I'll send you the koozie. Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. A screenshot of the rating and the review. We'll get the koozie in the mail. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon.